Well, good Friday morning, everybody. It's the 22nd of October. My title today is Some Truly Great Questions. Have you ever hesitated to ask a question in school because you didn't want to appear dumb? (laughs) I was like that. In fact, even when I was in college and in one of those required classes you need to complete your degree, it was a philosophy class, which was the last place I wanted to be at 8 a.m. in the morning. I'd barely poured enough coffee into my eyeballs trying to wake up, much less ask any sort of halfway intelligent question. I also think that men do not want to ask questions because somebody told us that we're supposed to know everything and how to do anything, and we do not ever want to reveal our lack of intelligence or experience. Well, thank God that he created YouTube so that regular guys like you and me can learn to use our smartphones to make videos and walk us through things step by step. I have very little mechanical skills, and yet uh, in my adult life, I've replaced three hot water tanks on my own, installed three toilets, and fixed my power washer when it didn't even have enough power to wash anything. Thank the Lord for YouTube. I do not know all the right answers to solve a problem. I can just look it up online, where I will have almost all the information I need to do almost anything I need to do right there in living color, as people with skills teach us how to do things. Well, this morning, I read six great questions that the Apostle Paul asks in Romans 8, 31 to 35, and I think they're very important for us. He starts out, quote, What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? Who will bring a charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding or praying for us. Who shall separate us from the love of God? Now that's a series of great questions that Paul has asked his readers and us, that God will work everything for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. That's what he said in Romans 8.28. But that purpose, the purpose to which he is working us toward, is expressed in the next part of verse 29. He's not saying that everything in our lives as believers will be good and nothing bad's going to happen to us. We all know that's not the case, and that's certainly not what has been happening in our lives. No, 
the good that he's working out in our lives is using everything that happens to us, whether it is good or bad, he uses it all to conform us to the image of his Son. He wants to make us more like Jesus, because the more we are being transformed into people like Jesus, the stronger we will become regardless of what life throws at us. And instead of looking at the difficult and painful things that happen in our lives as disasters and as painful as they may be, this passage tells us we can come out of those trials stronger and more conformed to the image of Christ. So with God superintending this process of our sanctification, we can ask ourselves this question. If God is for us, who can be against us? God did not even spare his own son, Jesus. The Father allowed the Son to fulfill the duty that he took upon himself to enter a fallen, deadly, and evil place called humanity so that he could be sacrificed for our sins. God did not spare Jesus from this step of painful sacrifice. This was the duty for which the Son reported and carried out even unto death. Therefore, we should ask ourselves, if God the Father, who would sacrifice his own Son for our sorry souls, will he not also graciously give us all things? The answer is yes. He will give us all things that he has for us. Not all things that we want, but all things that he knows we need and are good for us. And he does that because he's a God of grace. So the next question, who can bring any charge against us? The ones that God has chosen. The devil himself can bring any and every charge against us for the sinful and evil things we've done. But his accusations fall on deaf ears. Since we are chosen, and we were chosen before the creation ever happened, and the list of debt for all of our sins that we have ever committed, are committing, or ever will commit, that sheet of debts has been taken and nailed to the cross and marked with large capital letters in red, paid in full. We've been justified by God the Father, and our sins paid by God the Son. So is there anyone who can bring a charge against us? No. Nope. Nobody. None. Zip. Dada. Nothing. And no one. And even further, who is it that can condemn us? Even the accuser of the brethren's mouth has been shut and sealed with duct tape. And we have the Son of God who serves not only as the sacrifice for our sins, but he is also now our advocate. He is sitting at the right hand of God the Father, and he is interceding 
for all the saints. He's praying for you, and he's interceding for me. And the last question we read in this passage is this. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is uh, nobody. Nobody can separate us from the love of Christ. Nothing you or I have ever done or ever will do can separate us from the love of Jesus, our Savior and Lord. Not even becoming addicted to porn and sexual sin. Not even being unfaithful to your spouse. Now, they might separate themselves from you and even divorce you, and some of you have had to go through that. But Jesus will never, ever do that. Please, rest in his love today. Rejoice in your eternal salvation. And seek to walk filled with the Spirit so that you do not fulfill the desires of your flesh. This is John Doyle with 180 Podcasts. God loves you so much, I hope you can rejoice in that. Be filled with and walk in the Spirit today. God bless you. Take care. And goodbye.